Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey everyone, welcome to this completely unnecessary podcast for Tuesday, January 23rd, 2024. That's Ian Ferguson. I'm Pat Contry. We got a fun super show for you today. Lots of fun this happening. GameStop dropping NFTs. What a shocker. The sad decline of physical media and collecting. The Intellivision Amico Roadmap <laughs> and other... This is the song that doesn't end. And other good stuff. Because I'm in Ian, you had a busy weekend, right? I had a very busy weekend. Um, but, I mean, besides that, nothing like really interesting to talk about. Just busy for uninteresting reasons. I've been boning up on my sardine knowledge. <laughs> Not okay. Eat, not eating them. I've just been boning up on the, the knowledge. I've been. My father, my grandfather used to love sardine sandwiches. I, I had a can of sardines. Uh, the first time I think I've ever had a can of sardines when I was back in Buffalo. Vani and I were at a bar, and one of the things they offered on their menu was sardines with crackers. So Vani and I ordered a can of sardines. Like it's 1928. It was good. It was tasty. But uh, I, now I've just been reading tinned fish reviews, but I haven't been eating it. It's a healthy fish. snack. No, I'm sorry, I'm sure. right? one of these days maybe I'll actually take some of this knowledge, these reviews I'm reading, and and buy them. They are incredibly healthy for you. Sardines are good for you. Well, it's fish. It's fish, and uh, there's no like bad fish for you, really. And if, uh, if, because you're eating lower on the food chain, it's better for the environment. I don't know what that why, but it's that's what they say. That, okay, I didn't know that. That's what they say. Apparently, small the fish, the better for the environment. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so eating little shrimps is better than big shrimp. No clue. <laughs> Um, I don't think they mean like per species. I think they mean just in Overall, general, like okay. sardines in general are lower on the food chain. But I don't know why that makes them. It better. sounds like a marketing ploy, but all right, I got to look into that. Well, I, I got to gather my own data. I, 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 I do your own research. Uh, do your yeah. <laughs> I have independently, like lots of things are like, oh yeah, sardines are packed full of healthy omega fatty acids. Oh, oh yeah, that, the next thing a lot and, of fish are, but yeah. yeah. Anyway, I eat fish four times a week. I uh, I should eat more fish. Everyone should. I, I, that's the first recommendation. People say, you know, how do I, you know, if I want, I want to get a little trimmer or I want to get a little healthier, I said, well, are you eating fish at all? And no one says they eat fish. Why don't we eat fish as a society? I think well, I guess because we're mostly landlocked. So that's probably part of it. But like, fish is so good for you overall. I think it's because I, I've had this conversation on extra napkins, which you can tune into. That's my food podcast. Um, We've had that well, conversation before on Extra Napkins where uh, I think it's because how fish was treated when we were younger and growing up is different than how fish was treated 
elsewhere. We're only getting to the point in the late 90s, really, where things like sushi and, you know, and creative cooking methods for fish, you know, were, were getting more more popular. A lot of well, people growing up, their idea of fish for dinner was mom pulling a, a frozen filet out of the freezer, sticks. you know, and, yeah. and baking it off in the oven with, you know, some butter and whatnot. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that's just not appealing to a lot of people. You know, yeah, I mean, was, cul- culinary stuff in general was in a it, real kind of weird dark ages in the 70s, 80s and early 90s. And it was only until like the mid to late 90s and 2000s that i think you know american culinary cuisine started to get up to snuff well i think it was treated as too special where you go out to have fish like a nice fish do sure that's that yeah that's part of it um, too you can always buy probably fish at most supermarkets but it's probably too niche or they had no interest because we're all about eating chicken and steaks and pork chops and pot roast and like does meats available? Obviously, it's an availability thing. We also Obviously, on the coast you can get it a little easier. We There's treated a- it just like other meats too. We gave it the same sides as other meats, which doesn't really make sense. Doesn't make sense. Um, you know, you're trying to sauce it with the same kind of sauces you use, especially if you're at a restaurant. So you're not you're not complementing the fish. Yeah, and like I said. <laughs> A lot of it was cheap fish, frozen fish that's, yes. you know, cutlets that are overly bred. It don't taste like anything. How many times did we have fish sticks? I, I, after, I think I got to a certain point when I was 10. I was like, Mom, I cannot eat fish sticks anymore. They are awful. And you got to put it on awful tartar sauce to make them have any flavor. It's like I hated them. Yeah. I'll never have fish stick again as long as I live, ever. They're that bad. I don't I hate, hate them, but I mean, like, I, I'm not going to ever buy them. It's terrible. I'm not, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, it's, I, it's garbage fish yes, mi- yes. Minced, minced up. Here's the big thing that happened little religious history up until vatican ii in the early uh, the mid 60s catholics didn't eat meat on any friday any friday mm-hmm. not just during lent now it's just during lent they went easy on us i don't know they, they went easy they changed the rules where hey you can have meat on fridays so fish used to be a lot bigger tri-state area a lot of italians because every friday i get the stories from my grandparents are they go to the market and buy fish every Friday? You were locked in to fish on Fridays. You were locked in, and they got rid of the rule. They shouldn't have got rid of the rule. They must. You know what? They, they probably they probably the mob got to them. Right. <laughs> La Costa um, Nostra got to them in the Vatican, and because uh, that was a thing. It, it like so traditionally, like I think my grandparents still traditionally did the fish every Friday, no matter what. Um, for a long time. So in Buffalo, Fish Fry Friday, See? Fish Fry Friday. There you go. Fish fries in Buffalo were always huge. It's like an event in Buffalo when Lent rolls around because every place starts rolling out their fish fries, and fish fries are delicious. Like I'm not gonna shit on a fish fry; they're fucking awesome. Um, a good fish fry is great, but a lot of places in Buffalo would do them year round. Yeah, because a lot of Italians and they they yeah. want a place like, oh, like the Germans too. Germans the, would do it too. Yeah, the Germans would do it too. The German uh, Catholics. I think like uh, Polish. I think the the Polish best Catholic. place that I've ever had a fish fry was called Wheat Checks. It sounds like you're saying Wheat Checks. Like, wheat Checks. It's Wheat Checks. It's Wheat Checks, and uh, they're fucking fish fries every uh, Friday. Amazing fish fries. So I, I blame I blame the Vatican. <laughs> I, 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 the Vatican took fish out of our out of our meals. Anyways, anyway. what an interesting little That's tangent weird, yeah. we went on here. You didn't, didn't know about Vatican too, did you? Out there, I know a little bit more about Catholic knowledge than I should. Well, I was well, raised Catholic. Yeah, I mean, I was too. <laughs> but um, I was going to say, um, I went to a game with Frank. I went to the, the, the Ducks Rangers games on on Sunday. 
Frank's wanted, wanted to go to a game for years. Right. He's yeah. To go to a game. And, and you've you, brought it up. I mean, in passing every year, um, you're like, yeah, I might go and, to this Rangers game. And since it's a different conference, East or Western Conference, you only get one chance a year. Right. Usually, traditionally, different conferences for hockey. Uh, for basketball, I think it's a little bit different because uh, different matchups and TV stuff. But for hockey, traditionally, you'll play Western Conference teams twice, once at home, once away. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's how it works. So you have the one chance to see them. So Frank got me tickets at, for, a, okay, as a Christmas present, but he really wanted to go. I was like, okay, I'll go with you. Um, so it was great. I drove, uh, you know, I paid for parking. Frank paid for the tickets. I paid for, you know, whatever else. Um, beautiful, beautiful time there. Great arena there. Is it a nice arena? Yeah. yeah. Honda Center there. I like Honda. I've only I'm seen the outside of it. Yeah. It's, it's like a mile away from uh, where the Angels play. It's like literally right down the street. You can see. It oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Not even, like, not I've even seen the mile. outside, just not the inside. Um, yeah, it was easy to get to. I'm going to advertise it for them, but it's easy to get to. It was easy. It was a f- five minute walk from where we parked, you know. And um, we get there. I have. I have. Um, well, Frank was super. Frank. Frank uh, does not like driving on the highway. I'll just say that. So mm. he was talking a lot while we were driving. I guess to stay distracted. Um, and so it's like once we got there, I could relax. I was like, okay. I both I have two Ranger sweaters. We call them sweaters. They're not jerseys, but whatever, interchangeable. I have my old one from when I was ten. There was always like a back and forth about that in Buffalo. They're technically sweaters. They're the people sweaters. call them sweaters. Yeah. Some people call them jerseys. Because originally they were sweaters. Like they like yeah. had oh, that yeah. material yes. yeah. like in the thirties and forties. They and were wool. 50s. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so I still have my Rangers traditional home blue Rangers jer- uh, jersey sweater from when I was I think I was nine when I got it. Or t- ten playing, you know, outdoor hockey in. in Street hockey. It fits. Yeah, because I got my parents got me an extra large back then, mm. so it still fits now. Because you're always a size up for hockey. Yes. Because you have to wear the shoulder pads That's if you're playing traditionally yeah. and all that stuff. So it's like it still fits. I'm like, how does it still fit me? Like it fits. It fits snugger like now. When I was a kid, it must have been like sleeves Swim. over my hands. Yeah. You know, with the gloves and everything. So and Frank had the one that uh, he had the the late nineties. They still wear it. The alternate Statue of Liberty. Uh, one that they they, they f- first did in the late nineties, and I got that. I was like, "Where did I get this from?" I think my sister's boyfriend at the time, some sleazeball. Sorry, but he was a sleazeball sis. Um, gave me a r- random Rangers jersey he had to try to like ingratiate himself, um, <laughs> to me. So anyway, I think his name was Vinny. So there you go. He and he looked like a Vinny. Oh, <laughs> did he? Yeah, he like classic Jersey Vinny, you know, Italian Vinny. So that um, one. Is that the right one? That's the Vinny. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. the jersey. Yeah, okay. they still wear it, I think. So we wore that. We wore those. Frank wore that one. So we get to there, and this is like literally like where we're parked. It's like a it's like a five five lane. It's like a highway, like semi highway. But there's a stop sign. There's pedestrian crossing. It's a five minute walk. It's like a quarter mile to get to the entrance to this place. Um, and we're way early. It's like four ten. It doesn't start till five thirty. So did you eat anywhere up there, or did you just eat at the uh, arena? Wait at the arena. I'll get you. So we're we're going there, and Frank's like, I think I gotta go to the bathroom. And I'm like, oh, okay, like we're gonna be there. It's like f- five minutes. We're gonna be there. We're gonna be there. So we, <laughs> you're looking at me. <laughs> so we're walking around the, the corner, and we're there by. There's a restaurant there, and I won't say the name of the restaurant in, in, in case there's like security footage. You're gonna go back to. Um, you know. <laughs> Jesus, and, not, it's they one don't of, care. It's <laughs> one of those restaurants, Ian, where there's like an out. It's all like cemented out, but there's like some plants around to make it its own area. You know, like on a corner, mm-hmm. and there's like you know, there's like hard whatever tables that are like stone. You've seen setups like yeah. that for some restaurants, you know. So he was like, "I'm gonna check to see if the restaurant is is open." I'm like, "We're at the crossing." 
Like it's turning green to cross. Right. Like I'm, in my head, I always calculate like efficiency because I'm a, a madman. I'm like, you it's going to be more efficient if we just cross now, not waste two minutes, three minutes. We'll be at the stadium by then. We'll get in, we'll go to the bathroom in like four minutes from now. Like he walks to see that restaurants open, which takes like 30 seconds because it's a little bit away. He's like, oh, it's, he walks back. Oh, it's not open by now. They're crossing. I'm like, we got like it'll be another three minutes to cross because this is like a like a pretty significant highway. Like it's gonna be every minute that you cross. You have to wait to cross. He goes, I think I might go to the bathroom here. I'm like, what do you mean here? I'll just find a spot. There's police officers like across the street. Like, I'm not saying they're they're gonna walk and see him, but I'm like, I got freaked out. So I I think Frank. Not dropping Diamond Frank, it's a good story. I think he found some, like, column that was semi-protected from view, and I think he went like a, like a, like a, like a common uh, like dog in the street on, on the column. I, I was horrified, by the way, when this happened. <laughs> Frank Corse thought nothing of it. You know, I, I offered him my antibacterial in my pocket, and we crossed the street, and we're literally... We were by the time we got back and we crossed the street, we got into the stadium in about four or five minutes. We were there, so like he all he had to do was wait like four minutes, and we would have been, we would have been. Fine. I accidentally pissed on a cop car once. Uh, I was, okay. It was one of I think it was my second time out here, and I had uh, met up with one of my friends, and um, this I mean this was my this was I don't even know if I was twenty yet, um. And we had gotten drunk, and we started walking around the neighborhood, and I was like, I got to piss. And you found a random car? And it's nighttime, and we're on a street. I'm like, I really got to go. I mean, we're drunk, and I'm like, I got to go. And she's like, she's like, yeah, we're not going to make it back in time. So I just, I haul up behind a car and start taking a piss on the ground behind it, and uh, I look up, and it's a cop car and another cop car, and they're at a house for a stop. And I was just like, oh, "Did you did you, did you did you keep going?" Or you, I did. I, I was in the middle. Or you of stop it. it. Did you no. stop it. You use that Kegel, the no. Kegel muscle to stop it. <laughs> no, I absolutely you can do it. If you can not. train it. You can stop it. Oh, you can, but it sucks. Oh yeah, because it's like right. It's ready to burst. Well, you can do it. You can hold it back. I, I so I uh, use that Kegel muscle to kind of stop it. <laughs> I uh, yeah. So I, I finished. But yeah, like I tell the story and it's like i wasn't even trying to be like some punk ass kid i mean oh. it sounds like something i would have done on purpose but no it was an accident i almost got arrested once walking past a cop corps after a bunch of us stole things in college i'll, I'll tell that story another time it's the only time i, I thought i was going to get arrested ever okay there's a second time but that's that's a more mature story but uh, there's two times i thought i was going to get arrested or almost did and that was one um so this is a monumental uh, day and thanks to all the people that have been waiting for this announcement and for everyone that's helped us get here, this is going to be a little bit uh, less, not, not, it's happy, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a good, good point that Ultimate Nintendo Guide to the N64 Library is now available for pre order. Last time we podcasted, I was prepping the pre orders, and now it's available. This is three and a half years in the making. About 25 individuals, uh, have helped get us there, uh, couple of editors about 20 writers about five people doing art and it's been a it's been a journey so i'm just gonna just read off real quick what includes this isn't the full spiel but 
Uh, includes details for every N64 game, developer, publisher, release date, genre, special features, and more. Bonus sections are dedicated to special cartridges and even 64 DD games only released in Japan. That's the big deal about this one. You get exclusive European and Japanese full reviews. 64 DD and special cartridge section. 64 hardware, including first-party console and controller variant sections. So you know how there was like 40 different controllers and there was like a twenty. And di- all pleasing to the eye. And twenty different consoles. There's a ton of controllers. It was it was uh, it was it was harrowing trying to uh, get modeling done for all of these. And but we did it uh, with the team. Uh, not for resale cartridges. You learn about that. Uh, there's this whole section about N64 games that were canceled and never released. There's supplemental articles. The history of uh, wrestling games, pro wrestling games on the N64. Uh, our, our buddy Audi did did an article on that. One. His book is uh, good too. Alex Fasciani. Did an article about how every game is Super Mario 64, talking about how that was so influential as a platformer, 3D platformer. There's an article about how N64 was the first major like party gaming console at the time, uh, things like that. And there's even uh, there's going to be a bonus section that I want to surprise people with because it's something that I didn't even know existed, and most of us uh, probably didn't or still don't until I started doing the N64 book. You, I think you know what, what, I'm, what I'm talking about, but it doesn't come to the top of mind. So thank you so much, everyone that's been patient for this. It'll be out. Hopefully, it'll start shipping in the middle of the summer. Uh, by then, go to ultimatenintendo.com for there. There will be a Kickstarter as well uh, in the near future. But, you know, go to the website if you want. So uh, you hear about the Tetris kid? I did. Um, I can bring that right up because I was just looking at it. Uh, the So a 13-year-old boy who goes by Blue Scooty online. Blue Scooty. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, is the first person to beat the original Tetris and reach the game's kill screen. And by original Tetris, they do mean the NES version, which I, mean, I guess it's Tetris, Tetris, but not the original original Tetris. Wait, it's what? the one that everyone... I'm just saying, it's not the first... Uh, no, it's version. not the first Tetris. Yeah. Um, it was uh, on some, some Russian uh, computer with right. original Tetris. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it took him 38 minutes to beat it. Uh, he's, like, I guess, begging it to crash, uh, and it does. Uh, Nintendo says it has nothing to announce on the topic. Thanks, Nintendo. Why would, why would Nintendo care? Like, right, the game it's, we put out in 89. Right, like, yeah. Like, like, it's funny. You think Nintendo would care. Nintendo does not have, like, a retro gaming department that tracks these right. things. They can barely, you know, they, they find they, they can find the games that put out on the on the on the uh, virtual the virtual console, uh, you know, on on the Switch, you know, that's about it. Like that's as far as they're going now for the retro stuff for the most part. Um, so it says that he broke records for. I mean, obviously, if he beat it, it was probably going to be pretty close to that. Um, but he beat records for lines, level, and score. Well, you would think, yeah, right? You would probably have to if he gets to the kill screen. What's funny about this to me is, and I, I, I love this. I'm happy for him. I uh, when when this was uh, announced, it was a little while ago at this point, or earlier this month. Um, it reminded me of something else I had recently found out. I think it was the 2018 Othello World Champion was an 11-year-old. Wow, so just like a genius. So we've got 13-year-old kids beating Tetris, uh, the, being the first people to beat Tetris. We've got 11-year-old kids beating fucking 60-year-old masters at Othello. Uh, the children, they're scary and they are our future. Well, I mean, it happened to Bobby Fischer 50 years ago. He was a genius. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you get these kids that just... Like they see the world probably the Matrix, where like things line up differently in their head, and they could, could be off and running. Yep. What I thought was interesting about this, I had no idea that 
there, there was a revolutionary new way to, to play Tetris. Well, so, I, I did not know about this. Really? So that, no. Okay, so this and, is what I was going to say. So uh, we thought we had seen the kill screen uh, a few years ago. We even covered it on this on this podcast. Okay. I'm sure we, we had to have. It was in the mid 2000s. And people had thought they had gotten Tetris as far as, as, far as they could get it and that that was the kill screen. And they were already using weird techniques on the controllers to play as well. Yeah, then I, someone, it's called rolling and tapping, I think. Yeah, I knew then, about that. Well, there's a new version. Yeah, there's a... But a, now you hit the it's back like hyper, of the... It's like hyper tapping or something they yes, call I it. Yes, I knew that, that. But now you hit the back of the controller somehow and that increases it with the pressure. And I'm like, so you're playing upside down. Basically, like, right. That's insane to me that now you're like, I was like, wow. I'm so like, yeah. this new technique comes along and all of a sudden that's not the kill screen anymore. Yeah, because now you can now you're fast enough to move things quicker. And um, I was under the impression that because of that, you I didn't know if there was a kill screen. I thought maybe the, the game just topped out at some point. The memory eventually. Because I was yeah. watching people yesterday play or not yesterday, last year at Portland playing. And it just seemed like it was more of an endurance challenge at that that's point. What, I guess that's what it used to be because you couldn't right. get there. Well, whatever it is, he he actually took it to the point where the game crashed. Yeah, like, so, you can't take that game any further. So it's, literally, it's a literal kill screen. And but literally now these high end players like there should have to be probably two categories. Now, how you're holding the controller, they hold the controller upside down and tap the back with pressure from the front and that and they can do it quicker. Yeah. No, I'm like that's I'm like I'm looking at this like so now you got to learn how to play backwards and do it. I uh, guess unless a, you can do it. There was a really good person who played I think it was like a, after like I don't know after some new technique but they did it with the back of their foot. They were like rolling and tapping the controller yeah, with the back of their nuts. foot and it was just This is like <clears throat> This is not this. This is almost like this is like almost against God. <laughs> you know, like yeah. the Nintendo, the Nintendo lords did not see this happening. <laughs> but uh, anyways, it's fun though because it, it's interesting because like the memory it basically starts running out. The things start changing colors. It gets to a point where it's like invisible because everything's black. Like I saw the progression of it. it's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. No, it's, it's the one that eventually it just rolls over, right? It just starts again. No, it crashes. It literally oh, crashes. I thought it rolls over. No. He said oh. it just it, it froze. It just freezes. What was the one I saw that it rolled over? I don't know. Anyway. But anyways, uh, his name was Willis Gibson. Is Willis Gibson. Good for you, Willis. And he got the game to freeze. Yeah, he, it freezes with a score of 999999. Oh, what was the one I saw where it rolled over? I don't know. It's interesting because once you get to the different levels, like they start going like letters and then they start going to random shit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's interesting. The colors change. Yeah. Yeah, the game just gets. Oh, yeah, it does. It did crash. There it is. Yeah. 999. It crashed. It was at level. It, the levels just keep changing to like random numbers at that point. The memory doesn't know what to do anymore, right. basically. You know what I mean? Because it has yeah. to account for what came before. And it's like, what the hell do we do now? But no, there was one that I saw one where it's like everything is almost black. It's or, or the, the colors are so close and weird. It's hard to almost make out the, the shapes because mm. the background starting to blend. Yeah, good stuff. Speaking of old games, Atari. Uh, Atari 400 was announced. Yeah, Atari 400. Mini, mi- sorry, Mini, because the Atari 400 came out, what, 82? Yes, the Atari <laughs> 400 Mini. Um, it was announced. Yeah, Atari's had uh, a, uh, an interesting time. So they're releasing another physical product. None of these physical products really excite me in any way. But I, if you I, want it, we're going to be talking about it on television later. Uh, Atari has at least released stuff. At least this is like within the realm of this is stuff they should be working on. Um Oh, it came out in 79. I thought it was later. Wow. So we're talking about the, yeah, that's right. Cause, well, yeah, because it was with the VCS. Um, we're crossing the Rubicon of, of viable products 
for Atari. We're, we're getting to that point where we're getting to the point where we're going to run out of things to produce. And I think the 400 mini might be that point where the, the diminishing returns are you're going to start to see for sure. Um, I'm not saying there aren't fans of the, of the Atari 400 and computer system. It's hard to find them uh, at this point. Well, and it's also, it's not like this thing is full of games that you can't play anywhere else. These are games yeah. that are on Atari 2600. They're on 5200. Uh, most of these have been done to death. So it's like, do you just sure. have, do you, I mean, Berserk, Balderdash, Millipede. Mule. Uh, what's Lee? I think that means to say Bruce Lee. But obviously, you couldn't call it Bruce Lee anymore. I don't know. Uh, Minor 2049er Missile Command. Uh, Mules on a few things. Star Raiders 2. That's, I think that's a prototype. I have to look. So it comes with the standard controller, since that's what you used. And yeah, people say, okay, Pat, these aren't, the, oh, no, some, these aren't exactly the 2600 games. Like, like Ian said, yes, we get it. it these are, it's a better, they're better looking games. Oh, yes, games they than absolutely are. But I'm just saying. But you have 5200 versions of these games, 7800 of a lot of these. And $120. Oh shit! I didn't know that. Okay, we buried the lead. A hundred and twenty dollars. I gotta double check. I thought it was a hundred. I'm pretty sure this one just said it's a hundred and twenty. Um, I, yeah, but it's 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 a hundred at least. I don't know who this is for. Ninety five pounds, a hundred and twenty dollars. That yeah. Oh wow, wow! And, and it only comes with one joystick. Um. And how many games total does it have? I don't care how many for. No, I mean I don't either. I'm just saying. Um, that's insane. Oh, and only 25 built-in games. Oh, that's this is this is a straight-up cash grab. Like, yes, this is a bad this is a bad product. Yeah, at that point, are you kidding me? And unlike the uh, the 2600 plus or whatever they released, um, at least that you can fucking plug another cartridge. You can plug yes. cartridges into. Yeah, this is 20. This is this is an NES Mini. For double the price. For double the price with five less games and none of the games even remotely approach <laughs> the like the status of those games. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, people are gonna enjoy, but again, like if you're if you are buying this, you likely have already bought a lot of the other products. You know what I mean? That have a form of most of these games. I think that's what I, yes. I, my takeaway. Yes. From, At this point, you're not getting anything new. My takeaway from a product like this was this. That's what I thought about. Atari is now banking on, I want to say, between 1,000 and 2,000 people in the world that they know will buy a product like this. Yeah. Like that's what I think we're drilling down into. But this is even more specific than that because this is Atari computer stuff. Um, well, so my thinking uh, is the only people who are going to buy this are people who already own an Atari 400 with these games and sure. they're going to put it on their shelf or they're going to put it next to their Atari they rather because it's going to look neat because they have a working 400 that yeah, they love. They're, they're or, buying or 800 or 1200, whatever the other computers they have. They're like, buying it as an expensive tchotchke, de- you know, decoration for, I, you know, their favorite computer or something. I mean, how, ma- how often would you get someone in the store that said, I want Atari computer games specifically? How often would that happen? It, it has happened, but I would say in my like 15 years there, no more than 10 times, less than once a year. Someone less, comes in less than once a year. And I mean, and I mean, I feel like some people are going to say that's unbelievable. Be, you know, you get a lot of customers a year. We would get it. But I mean, so like I said, talking about once like a year, one out of thousands of customers, a year. thousands and thousands of customers get- a year. Maybe one would come in and specifically be like, do you have Atari computer because- stuff? There would be people who would walk in and see it and then buy it. But people okay. specifically looking for it, 
they bought it and like okay i have it they'd be like computer. oh i've got one i could grab a game okay. for it but I'll, like I'll, I'll count that I'll, I'll actually count that in the in the into the mix okay atari computer stuff would probably it would always sell in batches if we got it yeah, in. Of people would just buy it all and uh I mean, when we got it in, it would happen, but specifically looking, not often. Okay. Um, you know, we'd probably get Atari computer stuff in maybe three, four times a year in a big trade-in, and, you know, people would pick it up. So you do like three, four sales a year yes. on average. Yes. yes. That's not a, a, a real viable market. No, it's not. It's not. I mean, that's like at Intellivision level, yeah. basically, right? Mm-hmm. We, we think about it. That's like how um, Intellivision was more popular. Not popular, but definitely more popular. Okay, like 10 or 12. You know, I would sell into, if I had Intellivision stuff, I'd sell, you know, a, a couple of games a month. <laughs> I'm just saying I like, say a couple of games, even a week or a, no, a no. couple of games a month. OK, a couple of games but a month. The point is, this, we're in this realm of like we are running out of people. Either. Consoles are different than computers. Sure. But this is but this is still people treat it as a console. Right. Plug in in games for the most part. Uh, by the way, you can't even use this as a computer, right? You can't. You can't type on this, right? Can you type on this? No, if you could. See, this it's is... Not, a, it's not that the Commodore ones have come out. I think there's some you can type on, right? The newer ones? <clears throat> some. There's a Spectrums that you can... Yeah. Um, this is... Atari's got all these near misses. And I think the thing is, is like you said, they know that there's a few people. There's there's a, a market base out there that's probably going to buy whatever they put out. Okay. They could increase the range of the market if they had taken the 2600 plus to its uh what i would think its natural conclusion and done an fpga uh they could take the 400 and i wish they would have and made like a mini replica even if you're just flashing the bios onto something okay. or whatever um you know so do it through emulation and make it like the uh the 2600 plus Sure. Like, let make a cartridge slot that you can pop a cartridge in. Like, actually give this thing some fucking feasibility and usability okay. outside 25 games. However, they could do it, but I don't think they would see the market expansion required to put in the effort. Yeah. And Atari does not strike me as a place right now that has any desire to put in effort for effort's sake just to make something nice. Well, no, or else we would have saw an FPGA Atari 2600 by that, now. Yes, well, they could, have, yes. they could have done that. That's my point, the, the 2600 the, plus. Yes. So was, they, yeah. could, they could have done that. They chose to go cheaper and make more profit and screw customers out. Um, this is the only thing that might be interesting to you. Uh, since it's emulating, emulating the whole computer range, uh, so that includes 800, it says, plus the XL and XC. And I guess the fifty two hundred is in that category. So this is a, this could potentially oh, so it be hacked. Okay, to throw I would think fifty two hundred ROMs on there. So that might be because because eight hundred games look like fifty two hundred. It's like the same old yes, thing. Yes. Um. So that's the only thing I think is semi interesting. So are they just assuming? I mean, is this if they're saying that in the article, then they know that people are just going to rip this thing apart and I, load it with ROMs? I yes. Or else why? I mean, it's probably not that far off. But again, that's the this only. I mean, I mean, if you're going to emulate, you've got your like. Because I don't know if you're going to ever see a 5200 mini. Because now you're talking about like you smaller, won't. smaller segments. Like 5200 and 7800 were both like lost consoles, just about in the in the, in the realm of game history compared to the 2600. You know, of course. So like this might be. If not, I'm not saying buy it. I'm not saying buy it, no. but because it's 120, that's way too much money. This should have been. This should have been 80 bucks. 80 bucks out the door. This should have been. Um, if they had made the 2600 plus FPGA and then this came out. I would have out, bought one. It, I would have too. And if this had come out and had done 
had taken cartridges and like was able to accept other cartridges, yeah. like the other computer line stuff. Um, I don't think I would have bought it, but I would have liked it. I would have been more behind the idea. And I actually would have been chomping at the bit at that point for a 5200 mini, but I don't want to sure. fucking see what they would shit out as a 5200 mini. Sure. And okay. they probably wouldn't because of the controllers. The last Atari thing I probably will ever buy will, will be the eventual all in one Atari FPGA that includes somehow a 5200 expansion and or 7800 like that'll be the last thing i ever buy like from atari like that'll be like that'll be it give me the future solution to play whatever cartridges ian will buy four of them if they, if they do if they ever do updated aftermarket 5200 controllers somehow like that would be great or they'll have a new solution for that that'll be basically um it. shit who were they that have who, they started doing those replacement circuit boards though with the gold contacts we each got one at uh portland that that's uh, that's our, our buddies at the, the video game history museum. Oh, that, that is that is them. Okay, it is the video game. They, history they, museum. they are selling new boards and materials to replace the shitty paper. Like you said wafer thin. Uh, These are still wafer thin, but I mean they have to be. But they've got gold contacts. I the, mean the they've, they've at least got fucking yeah. proper contacts. Yeah, on so them. they were nice enough uh, there at, at Portland. Uh, John Hardy and Sean Kelly. People don't understand my love of the 5200. I just don't have the space or the money to start another fucking collection. Okay, well, when I, if I sell my stuff, I'll give you a good deal. You can see Gorf from here, Ian. You can see Gorf, unlicensed Gorf. I have my, uh, I have the first uh, Atari 5200 I ever played a game on. Okay, uh, Atari Vegas Hotel uh, is quote-unquote back on track. That doesn't mean a damn thing. It's like they're in still early sort of like uh, fact-finding and development and we were in talks with land partners for potential vegas sites but i've not made a final decision. i only that, put it i only put it down as a two-minute thing because I'm we laughed at it yeah. we laughed at it so much prior this if this happens <laughs> it'll be i'll go it'll be a bad investment first of all i will absolutely go though i i think we all would have to <laughs> yeah. to see the giant pong in the, in the lobby right they're not going to get i saw some people say well they're going to means that means they're going to be able to get ces no they won't CS is locked into where they are because CS is fucking gigantic and they need the specifics. The specific. Have you ever been to CS? It's like three different sites. They're not gonna. This, they're not gonna take away CS. Trust me. They're not. No. Fucking. About, someone thinks that. Just because, it, just, that? just because it says Atari. Atari has nothing to do with CS. I saw someone no. mention that, and I was no. just like, no. Never no. in a million years. <laughs> oh, you have no idea how any of this works. You have no idea how big like CES is if you haven't been to it. Like it is giant. It, it makes the biggest video game collection look like the tiniest thing you can imagine. It makes Comic Con look tiny. That's how big CES is. You know what makes Comic Con look tiny? The breadth of things that you can get at UltimateNintendo.com. <laughs> Absolutely. And what can you get there? Uh, you tell me. Uh, uh, you get Twitch on Wednesday night. Pat no, on okay, no, no. Okay, that's, don't, don't sabotage my read. Here. You can get RBI baseball stickers, SCU podcasts, enamel pins, a certain Super Nintendo guidebook because the NES one is not for sale right now. It's out of stock. You can also pre order a certain N64 guidebook. And I'm on Twitch Wednesdays. I'm on Twitch Thursdays. At Country Code. So is Ian. We never um, go. We never, we never go to each other. I think I stopped in on yours once for five minutes to see you grooving. I appreciate I got it. Out. Uh, but yeah, all that at ultimatenintendo.com. And there's two different covers for the N64 book, by the way, you can pre-order. Um, there's also a new Pat the NES Punk video. Pat the NES Punk commits charity fraud on Christmas. I have no idea how I came up, came up with the idea. Something just hit me. So go check it out on YouTube. It's, it's fun. Lots of Frank in the episode. Frank acted his butt off for that there as well. And 
The Ultimate Game Guide app for NES has been updated to include Super NES. Available now for iPhone, iPad, and Mac at iOS.UltimateNES.com. The app is now free to try, free with a sampling of content and a purchase option to unlock the full library for each system. Manage both your NES and Super NES collections in a single app with reviews, tips and codes, screenshots, daily price updates, and more at iOS.UltimateNES.com. Coming to Android in February Good job to Embraceware to get the app into a, a nice state and to put new life into it. So go check it out. Unity did a bunch of layoffs, bad news. Yep, jumping right into awful stuff. Uh, Unity Software announced earlier in the month that they were laying off uh, layoffs affecting 25% of the company, resulting in the loss of 1,800 jobs. This is awful. Unfortunately, uh, it's hard to dwell on it uh, because Twitch laid off 30% of their workforce, which is getting harder to dwell that, on because last night, oh, I didn't, oh, what happened last night? Riot Games confirmed it laying it's laying off 530 people or 11 percent of its total workforce. This little tidbit here is from Zach Zweizen at Kotaku. 22 days into 2024, and there has been 3,800 video game layoffs. What was the website that I found? I can't find again, but the video game layoffs website. It's bad. Yeah. Um, so this has the stats uh, in in. 2023 total. 2023 was awful, right? We talked about how bad it was. It was miserable. Yeah. 6,000 jobs were lost in 2023. We are at half of that in January. The industry is in a bad state, and I feel bad. I feel bad for everyone losing their jobs because this is this is this is greed in action. Well, they overinflated. They, they expanded too quickly during the pandemic and didn't realize that it was going to end. Everything did. Um, Why? Every fucking business suffered that problem. It, it's, it's just idiocy. And it's not, it's not that they didn't see it coming. It was just they want the money in their pockets now and we'll fuck them over later. Well, I think it also became an arms race. Um, we'll buy up all these studios before our competitors do. That happened with Microsoft buying up places. Um, and then you know. shuttering places before they even have a fucking chance to do anything. Yeah, they shut down. Uh, who just they shut down that 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 music branch, um, My... the one that was doing the records. They shut. Oh down. no, that wasn't Microsoft. That was. No, I know. I know. Uh, Ma- my- Mondo got shut down by Funko because Funko bought them and then immediately fucking emptied them. And that's what's happening with these the, the video game companies. Too. Yeah, they're doing. A, the, so the whole point is they like, got it. They they buy these. They they they, they said, oh, we have we had a great year. We have more money coming in. We got to buy to make more money when they don't look at – it's amazing that the people in power um, – if you don't work in corporate, you don't – it's 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 more I, – I think it's more depressing. If you don't ever worked in corporate and saw the buffoons and assholes that were at the top. The people in the C-suites are not smarter than you by and large. They aren't. Um, and you learn that. You Yes, the proportion of dummies to – um, we'll just say people that can think out, uh, you know, they can think ahead a little bit. It's probably the same across all the levels of, of, of society, you know, from from, uh, you know, all economic, socioeconomic, economic, you know, for poor people, middle class. It's the same uh, by and large. Um, obviously, you get different access to things and you get, you know, you get different opportunities. But when you get when you work in the corporate world, if you and everyone in the office listening to this in their cubicle or or in their office, they'll say, "Yes, I work with this." So many dumb assholes are people that are just idiots that don't shouldn't be here. Um, you're not surprised that it trickles up, and there are people that fail upwards. That is a thing. 
There oh, absolutely, absolutely are people is. that fail upwards. Yes. That they either are, they don't want to get rid of because they like them or they're, it's nepotistic or what I mean, or they're friends with them. So they get hired and they shouldn't get hired. And they, they don't want to push them to it. They don't want to either push them aside or fire them. So we'll just, we'll just, they, well, they've been here, Ian, for 10 years. They must know what they're doing. So we'll give them a better position. Doesn't mean they know what they're doing because they've been there forever. I've seen it happen. I've seen an employee that uh, I didn't manage but was on our team. In my corporate world, we had a team about eight or nine project managers. Um, I did the work of like two people. I was an efficient worker. Um, other people did the work of one, which they should, or maybe like one and a quarter. This guy did the work of like a third of one person mm-hmm. and was on performance plans. And we were like, well, if we replace him, all of us could work uh, less because we're basically making up for him. Yeah. And they never got rid of him. Never. Because they liked him. He was nice. But he didn't do his fucking job. So the point is this. Those sort of people can get promoted, believe it or not. It's not always a meritocracy in, in the corporate world. A lot of times it's not. And that's what I learned working there. My boss, my direct boss, uh, was a buffoon. Just because they're higher up than you and have more money does not mean they are smart. Uh, that boss that gave me two unwanted uh, shoulder massages at my cubicle, they were a fucking buffoon. Chain-smoking buffoon. Now I'm going off on a tangent. Uh, but the point is this. Um, they, they hired these folks, and it's good that they got employment for a while, but you have to, you can't alter people's lives this quickly. Like, uh, we'll hire them this year and fire them the next. Like, you can't turn people's lives upside down like that. You have to think about these things. But they don't. No. They do not. Um, Someone so, sent me that video game website that, that showed the layoffs day by day and week by week. Because I don't, I don't know what it is. I tried looking for it. Um, and then Kotaku has a uh, article as well that's keeping track of all the layoffs. So you can look at that. Kotaku too. has an article. Yeah, if you go to the ones X, Y's, and wrote, there's a link in there that takes you to an article where they're tracking all the layoffs as they happen. What's amazing about Twitch is that I guess Amazon has still not turned a profit with Twitch. Twitch has gi- never turned a profit from what I've read. Just a gigantic investment. And obviously Amazon could take the loss. Uh, yes. But it's not like it's not like Google taking a loss on YouTube because the amount of marketing information you get from knowing what people watch and are interesting, that that knowledge is so valuable to use in other ways for marketing. Twitch, I don't see it being on the same level of usability where while well, you're watching people play specific games, but you're really watching for the personality and the scales are so much smaller. So, like, you, there's, you know how many streamers are out compared there? Compared to what? Scales are smaller compared to... Of, like, to... The, the cost to run servers that Twitch runs a million right. servers where you're seeing stuff almost in real time and it's glitchless right. and there's no lag versus playing pre-recorded video oh, right, right, and sure. storing that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a, that's a cost as well. But, like, there, I'd say, I don't know the statistics in front of me. You'd probably say 90% of Twitch streamers probably don't get five people watching them. You know what I mean? Like, so, like... It's it's a it's a big loss in terms of tech. Cost. I average like twelve. <laughs> well, now more, Ian. You're gonna get more. Uh, what's the name of your channel? Uh, it's just the Pixel Sickle okay. channel. There I spend go. house music on Thursdays. There you fun. go. Shout out house music. So anyway, so that sucks. Um, you know what's also really bad? Uh, people not seeing even uh, uh, two weeks before making bad decisions. GameStop with their fucking NFTs. Yeah. That we said was a bad idea 
uh, two and a half years ago, whatever it was they announced it two years ago. And it's like, holy shit, GameStop, can you pay me a million dollars to tell you not to waste hundreds of millions of dollars on something? Which is what you fucking did with this shit. Again, more examples of just because people, I don't understand people's uh, fealty to authority. Um, yeah, just bad ideas all around. Uh, so this is shut down. There's not a whole lot more to say about it. They say that it's because of the uncertainty, uh, the regulatory uncertainty. And I do feel like a lot of these places that jumped on it immediately, even if NFTs had somehow weirdly proven popular, I think we would be seeing people exit the NFT market as regulations start to chomp down. Sure, but these are supposed to be intelligent business folks that would have seen a regulatory decision coming in the oh, wings right. and would realize this is risky. Even if we we invest even if we invest hundreds of millions, which is what they did into this shit. They they squandered all their meme stock money, a lot of it on this shit. Even if this is successful, it might come to an end because of the, the government getting involved. Yeah, that's the best case scenario. This is bullshit. They didn't care. They want to try no. to make money as much. as uh, they could. Yeah. yeah, it's not future thinking. It's all about right now, right now, right now. So get in the wood. Hell, chipper. GameStop could. Assholes. I'm not saying they should have done this. This would have been a better idea. What if GameStop takes these hundreds of millions of dollars? We're going to make our own game studio and make a triple A. Like even that. They tried to be a publisher for a minute. The point is, is like any idea would have been better than this. Yes. Any investment would have been better than this. Yep, absolutely. Um, and then real quick, I'll just mention that speaking of NFTs, like fading off, uh, Twitter no longer supports um, I mean, the avatar, just a, a fucking piece of shit website anyways, but it doesn't uh, support the av- the NFT avatars anymore. Oh, terrible. And that's that's Twitter. I mean, that's a real sign because um, it was the only place that ever really did any sort of integration with your NFT on a, a, a that at least that. Uh, at least a mainstream website. So if it's gone off of there and they were trying to be bullish on it almost immediately, you know, I mean, that's it. I, I, I'm I'm not trying to judge. And you still got people in there. The true believers who are like, it's just a downturn. man. I really, am not trying to judge anyone listening to this. That is, that still believes in NFTs or, or, or the like. I am. I'm judging I'm, you if you still believe I'm, in NFTs. I'm trying not to be more judgy in my 40s. I'm, tr- I'm trying to give people a wider berth. I am too, but you um, can judge NFT uh, believers. <laughs> that said, as I hold my Sega Master System UHS VHS, that's what happens when you live in squalor like this. Um, you, you find this stuff. I think I'm holding on this because I want to complete a... a, a, a Did you a, find that under your fucking pillow? No, <laughs> the reason I have this because remember I bought the extra Sega Master System box at Luna Video Games, two locations. I want to complete uh, right, the box. Yeah, yeah. The point is this. If you tie... I love having this now in my hand. If you tie Looks your identity to your NFT, I don't want to know you. Yeah. If you tie your personality into being a part of a club of other people that owns the same shitty mass-produced uh, NFTs, I don't think I want to have a sandwich with you. I so, you so you are judging. You can do your own thing. I don't want to be around it. <laughs> That's fair. I don't want to be associated with it. <laughs> oh, you see this about the retro game store in the UK being saved by a landfill, being saved from a landfill. A landfill didn't save them. Tell me, tell me more. Tell me from uh, this comes from Ginger Hippie Gaming. Sure does. It's a funny name. Um, not familiar with the channel. So they posted a bunch of pics here. Did, um, it was a thirty-year-old abandoned game shop saved from a landfill. It's shocking that it got to the landfill. That the person dumping all this 
didn't realize that like there's stuff here that's worth money still. They saved a lot of stuff that was still in good shape. A lot of games, a lot of uh, uh, tons of uh, audio cassette computer, uh, you know, games uh, on the ZX Spectrum and probably other, other things, Amstrad and whatever else, uh, computer, like stuff we didn't get here. Uh, but there was like good condition packs of, of mid-90s games. Um, there was, there was, a, it was like, it was a Zybots there uh, for the computer. Then I got to the point, there was record albums, Nintendo Entertainment System, there was a, a, a binder, it looks like, a marketing binder, it looks like. Then there was an M82 in there. I got taught, yeah, yes. You did tell me about that. And other earlier Nintendo um, Rob error marketing things that, like, who throws this stuff, like, and not, look, 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 look at my stream. Part of that, that's early M advertising with the Rob, I mean, that was in my Toys R Us, with the, the console, that complete, I'll, I'll show the picture, that complete will be worth $5,000 probably, at least. You know, with the glass over the top right. showing the console controllers, Rob, the two games, that was thrown in the landfill. And thankfully, most of it was saved. The, the plexiglass top isn't there on it. But, like, I, I'm shocked. They still managed to save us, like, a bunch of it before a lot of it was damaged. And a lot of it was. But there's shit on here that, like, I have never seen in person. Like, yeah. the, like, like, that, like that display I just told you about. Like, I can't imagine either, let's just say a company's hired to throw this shit out. They're allowed, I think, to take the shit. I would. I've seen them come to conventions of places that are hired just to, like, clean out people who they died or their hoarders. Yeah. They're selling. They know this stuff is revaluable to sell toys and games. They'll sell it there. So, like, this is shocking to me if you went through some of this video. No, it's. I mean, it is kind of crazy, especially it, it wouldn't have been as weird if this was, like, the late 90s. Sure. Even mid-2000s. But we're at the point where people know that there's worth and value in video games. So to not... DVDs were there, records. <clears throat> I'm looking at a. I'm looking at a, 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 a box Super Nintendo games and a Tupperware they saved that are all mostly still in good shape. It looks like. I'm shocked by this. Like I'm not like I was just like okay, this is just a landfill. It's a bunch of garbage. But no, it was all tossed asunder. Then they had to pick through it. Like there's a picture of it tossed into like this I guess holding area, and then someone realized we got to start picking through and collecting this shit before it gets like thrown, you know, and actually like outside somewhere, you know, and gets destroyed. But it happens, right? When I saw the M82 and the, the other stuff, crazy. I was like, "Yeah, this is stuff that's worth tens of thousands of dollars, all this stuff put together. Um, it's, it was nuts. Sony has uh, decided to kind of reverse the decision on removing Discovery content. Um, I think we talked about this the last... Oh, yeah, we talked about yeah. that, that they, they made the dumb decision. Well, if you bought it, we're removing it from the servers. Yeah. But at least if you bought it, you can access it so that's the well not exactly what so they i thought it said that they has they have reverse course revealing that the content will now remain for at least the next 30 months okay gives you two and a half years okay and it doesn't change the problem i mean it's well, just yeah, but... it's just them kicking the can down the the but it's it's positive it's something two and a half years if you want to watch your animal planet sort of show on your your console there I mean, let's be honest. There's not a ton of people out here that probably fit in some of these categories, but it still sucks. It's still yeah. bad. it's still wrong. They got you got to keep the servers on uh, for a while. At least they're doing that. All right, you get two and a half years uh, to, to 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 watch it. 
because um, their licensing agreement, and we all knew the licensing agreement, and we were just flummoxed to the fact that removing it from what you paid for, that has nothing to do with licensing, I think, at that point. That, that's ridiculous. All right. Um, there's a Hyperkin Mega 95. I don't want to spend too much time on this. It looks like shit. Um, it looks like the, it's the same exact thing as the Superboy from 10 yeah, years ago. it's a Superboy. It's a Genesis Superboy. Uh, they still make the Superboy? Yeah, I'm sure they do. It was a popular seller. Um, it's like 2011, 12. Yeah, they still make it. Uh, there's all sorts. There's Superboy 2s, Superboy this, that, and the next thing. There's tons of them. Um, Super the, Superboy? So the big thing is that it comes with a dock. Everything's probably going to start coming with a dock now. Uh, with a duck? A dock. Okay. Um, <laughs> huh? A little ducky. A little duck. Uh, yeah. So that's it. Um, I'm not excited about it. <laughs> they just keep putting this shit out. Um, I had a Super Bowl. I think I sold it at a, at a SoCal Gaming Expo once. Um, to be and honest, 120 bucks. Like, I just, why? I don't want that. That's, well, the Super Bowl wasn't cheap when it came out. It was 100. 10 years ago, yeah. It was it was either ninety or a hundred. No, I'm, I mean I'm telling you, like it, there's been multiple Superboys. We sold new ones up until I'm the not, day I left. I'm not, not believing you. No, you? I, when it first came out, I think it was eighty, and then I think they went up to ninety or a hundred. Okay, so, one hundred twenty. That's not inflation. We haven't had that much well, inflation. The, the LED screen should be a lot cheaper and better ten years later. That's the fun, well, first thing that I saw about it. this. Is what this is what bothered me about this. Uh, there should be no option for widescreen. Like. It's a waste of space, but now they probably don't make LCDs, LED screens in 4.3. Yes, but they it's don't. such a waste of space when you don't need to play the games like that. And, of course, there's an option to do it in 4.3. So that, was, that bothers me. Um, so the form factor on this is terrible because now it's too wide. It's as, probably as wide as an Atari Lynx, for God's sake. And it doesn't need to be because you've got to fit the, the six buttons. It's fine to put the six buttons. But to me, it looks like they just cut the controllers in half and put them on both sides. I, it, it, looks, it looks like shit. If it, if it was a four three screen and smaller, I have a lot. I'd be feel better about the form factor. The big LED screen is just ridiculous. I guess you can, people can mod it, I guess, but like everything from retro is not widescreen until the two thousand. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm curmudgeoning about this. No, I mean I think it looks like crap. I I am one of those people who is not. I'm not one of the fucking you know hardcore you know uh, video guys who's gonna go off on a goddamn rant because someone decides they want to use a hyperkin and then talk about how you got to do it the real way. Um, oh, no, but, no, that's a very specific complaint. But no, I would not be that person. I would not be that person. Play uh, the games the way you want to play. I them. think they suck, but I'm not going to be that person. They sell like crazy, and as I've always said. Not everyone needs to spend the money on a, you know, a, a fancy setup if all they want to do is play some Mario 3 on a Nintendo. Yes. They don't. They no, can, we're not. Hyperkin is fine. We're not gatekeeping. We just think it does not look like the best yes, product. Yes, they're not my favorite, but whatever. It's 100, fine. 120, yeah, it might be a little too much or something like that. For a lot of people, it's great. Um, I don't really want to talk. Switch Pro, nothing else has come out about it. This is just still like, we know it's coming this year. I, I've heard rumors that it's going to be, sh it, that it's probably at GDC. Um, to it's be a, to, it what March GDC? Uh, let me see. To be shown March. around. Uh, I thought it was sooner. Did they ever? But did they, did they ever show the Switch at a GDC? I don't think they. I'm not saying they'll show it. Uh, they'll announce it at a GDC. They'll, they'll I'm saying more... they're probably showing it to developers behind closed doors. That sort of thing would not be unheard of at a game developers well, conference. If this is coming out later this year, which it looks like the more reliable sources are yeah, saying, yeah, March 18th to 22nd. Obviously, well, unless there's only first party games coming out this year, it, like you have to have dev kits in the hands of of, of uh, developers right. by now for this. 
So, or even like like last year at some time, you had to have dev kits out uh, to devs. Like this has to be locked in, obviously. Like you're a year, at least a year in advance, of, a year and a half of doing your console, you have to be locked in to some, so, to some uh, you know, frame of what your console is going to be. So, rumor is this year and rumor is 400 bucks. We'll see. Um, 400 is risky. The, the big thing is that not it's, if it's to, a brand new system. Which is what it's going to be. They're not making a. They're not going to make an incremental step up seven years into the system's lifespan. They're going to release a new system. Backwards compatibility, they better, but it's going to be a new system. Uh, if this AI tech that we talked about, they got the patent for for the AI or image upscaling technology, not AI. But I don't think they have the patent. DLSS is you. I mean, I use it on my laptop. No, we talked about it. They submitted a patent for their own version. Nintendo. Their own version of DLSS. Yes. Okay. Their own version does the same thing. Gotcha. If they, we talk about the time, like if the next console, which I think, I think will be backwards compatible, I think it'd be dumb not to be backwards compatible. The selling point will be, hey, take Breath of the Wild, play it on our new console. It's going to look better. It's going to run better. You know, sure. that's, I think that's what the selling point is going to be to get, get once, people to, you, yeah, it'll be backwards compatibility, backwards compatibility with enhancements. Yes. Then at 400, I mean, that's, that's, Nintendo's never put out a console that expensive. That, that's why it's going to be like, uh, yeah, but, but I time mean, marches on. No, I'm saying time marches on. Yeah. And maybe they realize now. And it's been a slow. I mean, the switch was 300, but the OLED switch, which did well for them, was 350. And if you I did could, well, they did well. Honestly, I mean, they sold my understanding that. is that it, it, it sold well. OK, for something like that. OK. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was a it was a mid it, it, it was a, I mean, a 4.69 million. Is that <laughs> decent? I mean, mm. uh, that's what is your user base? But then again, it, it, it's it's a mid it's a mid life cycle upgrade that was not cheaper. So sure, if you, uh, <laughs> upgrades a stretch. It's, it looks nicer, yes. but yeah. you're not getting you know better performance. Well, we'll see. I don't think I, I, with Sony at five hundred. Here's the deal, and I don't I don't think it'll be crazy. The user base between the Switch and Switch Lite is over 132 million. That was reported in November. Obviously, more. So we're talking if we about. We captured just one percent of that. Yeah. Okay, Tommy. The point is this: you can't squander that base like they did with the Wii, no. with the, D, the Wii versus the Wii. Yeah. They squandered it. So, if they get with even the first year, they get a quarter of 132 million to buy this this new uh, console, which I think would be gangbuster. Still, like then you're starting like you're easing into the next generation without this firm cutoff. That that was again the 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 weed of the Wii U was terrible marketing, terrible name, terrible all around. Well, that's so, my big yeah. problem here. My big concern is it's it's. Uh, I think they'll do backwards compatibility. They yeah, need they to fucking will. cut it out with the cutesy, stupid fucking names that don't make sense to anyone. Well, yes, they can't call it, they can't call it Switch U. Um, they call it Super Switch or whatever, whatever. It has to know that it's an upgraded version. Just stop being cute. Call it a Switch Two. Or or like switch switch three sixty whatever yeah your uh, advertising needs to make it no I think they know that by now yeah I think they know that okay I mean, what a disaster the Wii U was they have to you have to make the form factor look a little um, a bit different and the name has to be different but for, what the rumors are this is going to be as, about as powerful as a PS4 which probably makes sense that's ten years old at this point uh, and with their with, whatever upscaling tech that exists by the way that exists everywhere. The, the, the upscaling of old older looking things to look HD that technology is prevalent everywhere. Uh, you can buy software to do that yourself and upgrade any movie. Now 
we're going to get to the point where <laughs> where the software is going to do more of this, I think, upscaling. So now I think if you can tell people, which I thought was going to happen with the Switch, hey, the new GTA game, in theory, you can get it on our handheld, uh, on a Nintendo console. And now with this technology, we're, gonna, we're getting closer to that. So we'll see what happens. If you want to hear us talk about uh, PAL World... And talk about what else did we talk about? Uh, wasn't fish we talked about in the intro? <laughs> uh, so the exclusive podcast we talked about a, a lot. We actually we were going to talk about Pale World, and we only really talked Christmas about cookies. that for the last chunk. Yeah, it was Christmas cookies. Christmas cookies. Anyway, check out patreon.com slash cu podcast for that. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news. Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. It's 2024, and who knows what the new year is going to bring. Social media trends, new entertainment. But one thing is predictable. Postage costs will go up again in 2024. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off of USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been helping businesses like yours and mine save time and money for over 25 years. With Stamps.com, all you need is a computer and a printer. They even send you a free scale, so you have everything you need to get started. Taking care of orders on the go is even easier with the Stamps.com mobile app. If you need a package pickup, you can easily schedule it through your Stamps.com dashboard. And if you sell products online, Stamps.com seamlessly connects with every major marketplace and shopping cart. You can order shipping and mailing supplies, labels, and even printers from the supply store. Get huge carrier discounts up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates to help your bottom line. Plus, Stamps.com automatically tells you your cheapest and fastest shipping options. For more than 25 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses. Businesses. Get access to the USPS and UPS services you need right from the palm of your hand, anytime, day or night, no lines, no traffic, no waiting. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code CUPODCAST for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code CUPODCAST. All right. So, uh, our pal Sean. He's your pal. I like Sean. I've never talked to Sean. I don't know if I could call him a pal. Uh, Sean Cermic from a Reserved Investments yeah. on YouTube. Um, guy who puts out a lot of, uh, we've talked about him many times before. We've gone over a lot of his videos. Uh, he goes over a lot of like uh, the, the the financial aspects of, of collecting. He's an antiques and collectibles expert going back to like the, the 80s. Um, and he was very critical of WADA. He worked with uh, me, and, me and Carl all together in that, in that video that came out a couple years ago. So he... Put out a video called Collecting in the Sad Decline of Physical Media. First they came for retail, now for physical. Um, it's a pretty good video. I have I have some disagreements with him. But basically, he talks about um, collecting. Um, he talks about, you know, this is a lot of stuff that kind of, that I think people covered when, when Toys R Us uh, first closed down. Because he does bring that up. Um, how without a physical store, you not only lose the, the memories... Um, and he he says in this I'll disagree with that a little bit later. He says collectibles are based on nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if I disagree with that, you lose the memories 
and more importantly, he asks three questions. Uh, he's like, can collecting based on nostalgia survive without um, physical stores to kind of give you that nostalgia? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he says that he, he believes that, you know, uh, going into those toy stores as you were uh, younger, um, you know, the, the seeing those rows of toys, it's it's kind of like that. That's what gave birth to collectorism. I'm sorry, you know, a collector collecting. We have these nostalgic memories from youth of toys and video games and things. And it's we didn't always get what we want. And now we're old enough to get it. That's absolutely a lot of what collecting so is. I feel like that's more what collecting is. I feel oh. like it's less. Nostal- so let me let me just finish this. And then he says toy collectors. He's like, aren't we really just kind of recreating a toy store at home? And if there's no toy store to recreate in a kid's mind, what are they going for? So I agree with most of this. Um, there's a few different thoughts. We should go through one at a time. OK, hit me. Okay, well, first of all, you said about um, collectors buying things that they didn't have or couldn't have or buying it again things i had as a child absolutely that's a lot of it yes i think Uh, that's that's that's, that's, more than nostalgia to me it's i finally get to play the shit that i wanted to play or i'm discovering more of what i couldn't access as a child because of money or time or just not being aware like if i if i had known some of these nes games existed when i was a kid i would have wanted to play them i would have and i just you had no idea that there was this many games you had just no clue so I won't deny that there is, you know, I've, I've, I've had the occasional warm, happy thought, you know, of youth playing some of this stuff. But for me, it was it was more calculated. It was like I'm 19 because I, when I started buying NES games, I was like 16. I wasn't yeah. old enough for a lot of nostalgia. It was just I have a job. I have money. These games are cheap now. I can buy the games I want to play. Sure. It, it wasn't <laughs> like nostalgia yet. You still just liked the NES. And yeah. It was like, OK, I want to play some of these games. Yes. I just couldn't. So I don't think he's wrong, but I think it, that's specific about certain types of collectibles and it's to people. He says he says he divides it into two ways. And I kind of like what he's going here with this. But antiques are historical. Correct. And you weren't around for you're not nostalgic for for a, a, a dollar bill from 1770. Right. Um, so antiques are historical. Collectibles are nostalgic. I don't think it's that cut and dry. Because I think you can collect you can collect many things without it being on nostalgia based on nostalgia but that doesn't also mean that does not mean i'm collecting antiques either yes but i think what he's saying is uh, just by and large the average collector is buying things they know and are used to yes i can collect things i didn't have as a kid and grew up with i'm just less likely to i agree i just don't think it's as cut and dry i think when you come to when it comes to um by and large when it comes to retro video game collectors um you know uh, or or uh, toy collectors, I would say those are two markets where it's very much nostalgia based. Yeah, you could even say that to a degree about comics. However, the amount of comics collectors I've met who didn't even read comics until they were in their twenties or thirties—that again, kind of you would definitely consider comics collecting or collectibles. But that's not based on nostalgia. That's someone just got into this hobby. Sure. So that yeah. I mean that that's it. Just it, it's a little bit of. Yeah, yeah, nitpicking with words, but I do think there is. I don't think it's that cut and dry. Yeah, but for the most part, like the reason I love Col- uh, ColecoVision and don't really care about the fifty two hundred is that I play ColecoVision at my cousin's shore house, like sure. I, a lot. And like I said, I'm, like, not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not immune to it. The fifty two hundred yeah. for me is yeah. a nostalgia thing. Yeah. It is. It ColecoVision is, is nostalgia, and, and yes, it's technologically superior to most of those Atari consoles. But like I played 
a lot of those games that I still know the carnival dings and sounds in my head yeah. of playing that. So like that's why I'm like I'm drawn to that because yeah. of that. The fifty two hundred does immediately remind me of my grandparents' living room. I'm, I'm, I mean that's yes. that's without a doubt. Though you get those memories. I know it's like it's set up like it was a corner by the fireplace. It was set up like that's where they set up. It was on a brick a brick thing. Like I can visually see where it's set up, you know, and where the game case was. The leather game case my my cousin had for that. It's embedded in my memory. Um, so what was I saying? I think oh, that's mostly like I say it's not not it's not a roll for hundred percent. But yeah, most of the things I've collected, I have a connection to, to the past in some way, most. Mm -hmm. And if I don't have a direct connection to them, I at least have like a bridge to them th through everything else. Like, obviously, I never, when I played it, I mean, it's kind of hard with video games. I, I played most of these consoles when I was a kid in some form or a teenager. But I'm trying to think of a console, like, I wouldn't give a shit about uh, Sega's Saturn games, but it's adjacent to the genesis and cd which i am familiar with and that's why okay that's cool so it, it's it's hard to i'm trying to think of something where i'm collecting it and it has no connection to anything else i have any experience with and it's hard for me to come up with that there might be something but it's hard for me to think of that it just is sure and like for me you know I, I i feel like you know people here i collect records and they're like well that's the collection based on nostalgia and it isn't it's just it's just i like the, like format. the form factor. i just like the format i like the form but to factor me, but to me that's almost not you're collecting music more sure. and you just like the form factor yes. that makes it okay like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I like get frank it. collects cds but he's really buying the music yeah you're buying the, right yeah right you know what i mean like i think that's a little bit different yeah i mean and, and you're right because i'm not i'm not just vinyl only i'm very close to vinyl only sure. in terms of physical but i do have tapes i do have cds um it's just a matter of my record player is always right there to turn on so it's easier sure okay what was the second point after that my second point? You had a second point. You're you, you had points you're dividing up. That was the first one you... Oh, oh. so, okay. So um, he brings up the Sonic... The, this is kind of a two thing. I'll, I'll finish what I'm going to say, and then you okay. can finish. So Sonic the Hedgehog, he talks. He tells the story about going to get Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Okay. Um, and I loved those experiences. Like, you know, you, you, those days where you go out with your parents, and they got you something, and then you maybe went and ate somewhere. Like, good memories, you know, and that's the story he tells about going to pick up Sonic 2 and then going to get out go to eat. And he talks about, but if they don't, it, it, you know, modern day, if there's no store to go pick up that game, um, will they, you know, will, will they, will, is there, you know, it, 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 the children are not going to have that experience. That, on one hand, I think that sucks. On the other hand, if they have no context for it, they're not really missing out on anything. And old experiences are always replaced by new experiences. I'm not saying that there is good. And I don't know what a, a, a comparable experience would be. But I, I think that that's less. I think that's less of an issue. I, I, I mean, it depends on how you look at less of an issue for what they don't want to collect anymore. Or they want to collect specific things because because. What Toys R Us did and what. Um, KB did and Kitty City did with that M82 is that it showed you the products more in action, right? It showed you yes, like, sure. hey, like remember, remember, like they they had like one of my earliest Turbo Graphics memories was going to Toys R Us and seeing the video display, which you probably had in your I don't know if you had. We did. I played Air Zonk on it, and the up button didn't work. Uh, even before that, back oh. in '89, okay. '90, I mean, this is a Turbo Graphics 16. And it had the whole the, the video that you can see on YouTube. There's the intro to it, and it ran through like the, the 15 minute video of all the games. That's how I knew about Turbo Graphics 16. Like that's how I discovered it. Yeah, but people that, get that today 
with with videos, YouTube. But being in the environment of like, okay, this is this is telling me about it. There's the console right there. There, it's physically in front of me, and there's the games. I just think, Ducky. I just think there's a little bit more. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's it's more uh, visceral. The experience of having being embedded in it it's, between you and me. Yeah. Being born when we were, yes, but I don't think it's affecting anything for today's modern kids. Well, okay, if, okay, let's put it this way: if a kid grows up um, and he gets individual toys from from um, he gets individual toys from Amazon once in a while, right? So he's still getting the toys, right? It, I think you're not indoctrinated the same way as we were. We were indoctrinated with um, splash pages of. Sears catalog showing all the G.I. Joe sure. toys, all the He-Man toys around a Castle Grayskull. Uh, we were indoctrinated with going um, going to Toys R Us, seeing all the game, vi- the VidPro cards, all the games laid out. We saw that display of the Nintendo next to Rob. I saw that in Toys R Us. Remember, they had a display aisle of all the consoles under glass, physically the consoles of Toys R Us. You can see it. You can almost touch it. That's what the kids won't get, like that. Right, but, but I'm not saying it's good or bad. That they're not getting that. I think. Yeah. I think it's. I. Th- I mean, honestly, a lot of that. And I mean, I'm happy to see it go. Frankly, the indoctrination, the 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 constant advertisement. I mean, I hate to boil it down to this cynical thing that every, you know every non collector. I mean, I collect, but um, we we feel so strongly about so much of this stuff in the '80s specifically because it was advertised to us. I mean, it's, it's commercial. Yes. yes. Yeah. So. I, I don't think yeah. losing that is is awful. I, I just say, but it's not whether or not it's good or bad. He's saying without that, there's less a nostalgic kick to go back and collect it. I well, totally agree is, with he, that. He is saying that, and I think just on the paper, yeah. yes, absolutely. Without that, there is going to be less of a nostalgic kick to go uh, go back and collect. There, but he's just, I, yeah. I, okay. You think I would have searched out that M eighty two? I searched for an M eighty two for years because of my memory of playing that at Kitty City. I searched for years to get that. I just thing. don't. I you know with with how people are starting to get better about treating the history of things, uh, games, toys, books, and things like that. I don't know that if we see a downturn in collecting, in people collecting, that it's a bad thing. We may. Okay, you're saying that you won't think it's a bad thing, but it's going to happen. Like I think that's what Sean's saying. It's, it's bound to happen. Oh, it's going to happen, yeah. Because the uh, downturn, yes. we even talk about the downturn of retail. Real quick about the, the shelves and, and things looking like I wanted to say one more thing. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Um, I just want to finish it off. The last thing he said, though, I like videos like this where I, I find the, the person giving the information uh, likable, and then I like like 50% of it, and I don't I, I disagree with 50% because it gives me something to talk about, but I don't get mad. This is how you agree with even 50% of it. I do. Um, you do? <laughs> I, I didn't agree with the definitions. I do agree that we're going to that collecting is going to die out for these reasons. Well, that's the main thesis. Um, I also agree with the the last thing here. Uh, he he closes it. This is before Christmas, saying that if you're buying a present, especially for like a niece or a nephew or something, um, and they want a video game, buy them the physical game. Um, if you can, take them out to go shopping for a game or something like that. And I agree with that because I have memories of my aunt taking me shopping on my birthday. Um, it's social. It, it's social. And this is this has nothing to do with collecting or, or anything like that. It's just um, it's something that people need to be told every once in a while. When you're buying something like that for a kid, uh, the, the, <laughs> the gift card isn't they're not going to remember that 
or digital. I gave you, I gave you a digital game in 2024. It's like, what? You're They're not going to remember that. It's going to be way more special to them if you buy the physical object. It's not visceral. It's not, they can touch it. They can or take them. It, yeah. Give them a memory. And sure. for me, this isn't about preserving, collecting or anything like that. It's just, yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, digital goods are great for me. They are. I, I, I do a lot of digital only, and I know people will give me shit. But in the long run, I know the risks I'm taking. I have very little space. I'm okay with digital. But if you're giving a gift, when you're giving it to someone else, the physical object means more. Yes. It's something that they can hold on to. I'm so happy that I have the... I, I sold off my Nintendo collection, but I still have the 35 games that were given to me by my parents sure. and you know my grandparents' gifts. That means something to me. Sure. In, in terms of a gift, physical is always the way to go. Yes. It, it's not, it wasn't his thesis, but it's a corollary. The thesis is that you're going to have less collectors because of retail dying. Absolutely. Yes. Yes, that is true. But the corollary... Is that you have less socialization overall and less social experiences for children. That's fair. And that's, to yep. me, more dangerous. Obviously, we're in the collector's world. But well, the, the, fact that, the fact that you even have one less thing now where kids can go to a Toys R Us or a KB and run amok in a store, look at all these cool toys together with other children, um, run through the aisles. Because you know how massive – well, KBs were small, but how massive yeah, toys are! You can get you can drive your parents would lose you. You yeah. would, your parents would your parents would go be looking at like the sports section. My father be looking at you know whatever hockey sticks or whatever, and I'd be seven aisles down looking at GI Joes. You know what I mean? Like that losing that like doesn't bring a tear to my eye, but that's like I don't want to have to describe that to the next generation how awesome that was and that you'll never be able to experience that. That's not a thing where, oh, it's going to be better if kids don't have that with technology. No, it's not. The thing is, um, though, and, and this is where you can tell we're getting older. Time does older, march on, though. Yeah. You don't want to explain it, but the kid doesn't want to hear it. And the kid's not going to care. They might. It, it might be so alien to them. Trust me. It's alien now talking to someone born 20 years ago about like programming a VCR and having rotary telephones. Right. We are that crossover generation. And we saw the, the old world, and the new world. Oh, yeah. That basically come. That's what's special about our, our sort of like semi generation. No, I do consider uh, my, I, that's I'm one honored. of those weird things I'm that sort I can, yeah, I consider myself uh, very, very lucky to have been born perfectly that I know what the pre and, the and post. post of yeah. the computer age looks like. Yes. And the information age. So, but losing the socialization to me, because kids, you know, I think by and large, they're doing less of that anyway. But like that, that's sad to me. It's sad that I can't like with other random kids running through Toys R Us, like look, be look at the well, same toys. I mean, it sucks that we can't uh, do it that way, but we just got to look forward and find new experiences I, to make sure we give the kids. Yes, I do think there is a chance that we could remember because remember because Toys R Us didn't exactly go out of business because it was doing that poorly. That was, you know, it, it was a whole other thing with uh, being leveraged with you know mm -hmm. with with fucking asshole uh, venture capitalism involved. So there is a chance we can see Toys R Us return some form with stores i do think building it up again is possible i mean as i actually we, do I, th I think there is room to have a toy store chain no when we when we talked about toys r us going out of business um i we always said there is there is definitely room for a physical toy store yes i just it's probably never going to be on that scale or size again yeah you can go back into the malls or smaller shops and maybe have a big yep. store here and there uh, because remember, there was a Toys R Us in like every big town. Had like a Toys R Us, sometimes two. I think and we had we had one, and then we had one maybe uh, ten minutes further away from that yeah. one in Buffalo. And then KB, there was a KB in every mall in America. Mm -hmm. Remember, at one, one point there was way more KBs than Toys R Us. KB used to be the largest retailer of toys in the U.S. till about I think Toys R Us overtook them by the early to mid '80s. They overtook them uh, on there. But anyway, uh, shelves and displays and how that um, 
I guess, almost, almost, I'll get a doctrination is a good word, to collecting. I agree with that for some collectors, that displaying is a big part of it. Like how it appears to you visually, maybe not to match necessarily how it appears directly in a store. That's almost closer to what sealed game collectors do. I was going to um, say this, that to me, um, I do feel like that's more of a thing that happens with toy collectors and less of a thing that happens with video game collectors. Sure. And with video game collecting, that's not the default by any stretch of the yeah. imagination with toy collecting i don't know that i'd say it's the default but i do think a lot of these people are putting them on shelves to look at it's it's definitely different to me you can still look at the mm-hmm. figure and appreciate it i don't think there's a lot of guys ripping them out of the packages to do setups but there are people who do and i like seeing that too who people who take the photography and do that as well i think it's more it's less frowned upon in toys i frown upon it less in toys because you're not losing as much i guess sure um yeah i think when you put things on shelves i mean how else are you going to display how else are you going to collect video games you put them on shelves you know no but it's two different things we're not really recreating a a a toy store it's like a a library but a lot of yes but a lot of (laughs) (laughs) it's true i mean that's why people say video game library yeah whereas a toy collection is much more likely to be that I know a lot of the toy collections that I've seen pictures of online or our friends post videos like Nintendo Dan. There are a lot of spaces where it is toy store-ish. Oh, my, my, uh, my one cousin, one of the trio of, of rich boys, not rich, they had every game console. Even in the, even in like 87, Ian, 86, in the basement, he had a diorama. Oh, he had like most of the G.I. Joe toys that came out the first like two mm-hmm. or three years, like when it was super military based. In an awesome diorama. There's the G.I. Joe base. Here's the uh, Cobra vehicles attacking. Here's looked great. He was probably, um, at the time, he was probably like, uh, like 10 years old. And he had a great setup going on for that stuff. So even back then, you wanted to display, you know, toy stuff and have it how you, because you, you play physically with toys. You don't physically play with video games. You pop them in and get the media off them and interact with them. So it is a different sort of thing, sure. if that makes sense. Sure, sure. Uh, um, real quick, we got we should probably move on, but sure. I, I did want to say real quick, uh, we kind of missed the other point of the video, though. Um, I mean, the video is called the the first they came for retail, now for physical. We talked about the retail. Uh, real quick, he does mention, and it does kind of it does kind of turn into a video about just col- the you know the decline of physical um, retail again. But uh, it is where did I put my notes? Fuck, I closed them. I think it's Best Buy is getting rid of DVDs and Blu-rays yes. this year. And there was a uh, Target is getting rid of maybe the same thing. Yeah, I but remember. I think that's a decline in interest probably partially too. They just realized oh, sure. we're, we're wasting space. No one's buying this anymore. Absolutely. But it, it um, just goes to the, his his point with the collecting that, you know, the the, the less availability uh, oh, of physical media, the less collectors yeah, we're that's going different. to have in the, in the future. That's different than retail. Uh, yes. We always said that kids growing up are not going to want stuff they didn't. They're not going to want stuff in the future they didn't grow up with for the most part. Yeah. They're not going like, to like video game collecting 20 years from now. I don't know what it's going to look like. Right. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be a thing. You know, in terms of a new generation, because like, are you going to have people that are going to collect Switch games, but they got most of them digital? In they're going to try to seek out the physical version. Or are they going to care about the little chips? Like, are they going to care? Like, I, I don't know. I don't think there's less things to handle, less tactile. There's no instruction books anymore for the most part. Like, I have no idea. The cases are just little plastic things that look ugly to me. They're not like, I mean, it's not like really nice sure. to look at. Or we'll see. 
But check out Sean's video, Reserved Investments. Yeah, it's a good video. Thank He's you good. for that. And real quick about uh, publishers don't need retail, retail anymore. Um, they, oh, yeah. they, they direct market digital. They have for the past 10 years, really, uh, been doing that. Um, more than 10 years, 12 years or so, Nintendo started doing directs. And um, retailers kept the prices inflated on digital. Uh, for the most part, this is uh, Josh from Living Run did a, did a tweet thread about this, uh, not direct, not not directly connected to I think this video, but the reason why we never saw digital games being like whatever twenty percent less than physical because uh, Best Buy, Target, GameStop would have threw a fucking fit. Oh yeah, they would never have allowed it. No, nope. they would they would have severed all relationship entirely because once that would have happened, you, then once there's people saying, well, why would I pay sixty bucks for this game? I can get it for forty. Uh, digitally, I'm saying yeah, they wouldn't money. allow. It, but now they're at yeah. the point where that's now it's ingrained. This isn't 15 years ago, yeah. and they don't need it anymore. Which is bad now because now why would the publishers charge less for digital when they can get away with paying the you know selling at the same price? It's lo- it's baked in. It's baked into the culture, unfortunately, for the consumer at this point. You know, so that's just a, a point that I wanted to bring up. This portion of the CU podcast is brought to you by Tushy. In the future, people are going to laugh about how we used to clean ourselves up in the bathroom. We all know that using toilet paper alone leaves nasty and smelly bacteria behind. There's got to be a better way. We're not cavemen using sticks and twigs anymore. Tushy has finally made cleanup more hygienic and better for the environment. You can now have a fresh stream of water to clean up your bottom after every poop. Tushy's bidets are easy to set up on any toilet. In under 10 minutes, you can set up your at-home bidet that will change your life forever. No joke, this product is life-changing. For a limited time, our listeners get 10% off their entire order at hellotushy.com. Go to H-E-L-L-O-T-U-S-H-Y.com and use code CUPODCAST for 10% off. It's time to get rid of those skid marks once and for all. I've been using the Tushy bidet it does make a difference. Trust me. You're going to be using less toilet paper. You feel cleaner back there. It puts a fresh fresh spring in your step. <laughs> it's great. It's no secret that toilet paper is bad for the environment. It's estimated that toilet paper accounts for 15% of the deforestation each year. With Tushy, you use 75% less toilet paper on average. The Tushy bidet also stays clean and hygienic with its patented self-cleaning smart spray. The nozzle self-cleans before and after each use automatically. The buildup resistant design helps to minimize grime buildup, and it even has antimicrobial knobs. The bidet stays clean, just like your booty. Every Tushy bidet comes with a 30-day hassle-free return and a 12-month warranty. It's risk-free to join over 3 million real pooping humans who have made the switch to a cleaner and more confident butt. Get that fresh out-of-the-shower feeling at hellotushy.com. For a limited time, our listeners get 10% off your entire order when you use code CUPODCAST at checkout. That's 10% off your order at H-E-L-L-O-T-U-S-H-Y.com with promo code CUPODCAST. It's time to back that ass up with confidence. All right, Ian, you know about this in Television Amico? Thing? Never heard of it. Television Amico was a consult that was going to be banking on in television nostalgia. Um, no, no, it wasn't going to oh, be no, banking sorry, it wasn't. on it. No, it Even was though it's for using families. The same, you know, it's using the Family. same name. Families, families, families. families. Fam- it's a safe, uh, affordable, safe, family, affordable, entertaining. Yeah. Whatever. Did they do safe as an acronym and yes. then also use it as the first letter? Oh, my God. Did they do that? That's a cardinal rule not to do that. Yeah, by you're the way. not supposed to do that ever. It, because then it's like, then it's like a, uh, it's a paradox of, of, 
Yeah, I think it was. Or maybe it was simple. Simple. Simple, simple affordable cool. family entertainment. There it is, Ian. Okay. We got you. it. Such, <laughs> such a good logo. We, we remembered it. The slogan. Yeah, it didn't uh, take us five minutes to figure it out. Uh, and it was run by Tommy Tallarico. Um, run. Well, it, you know, it was run by Tommy <laughs> Tallarico, who's disappeared into the ether. Um, and in and in that time, we've learned a lot about Tommy's career, and we've given him we gave him way too much credit as as being uh, someone with good ideas or can accomplish anything or being a good music composer. And we even uh, admitted to you know uh, you, we 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 were not without fault there. About uh, what? In terms of thinking, Tommy actually had done something at some. Yeah, point because time. when you take credit for working on 150, you know, games and music, you think that you would at least worked on half of them or most of them. But the more information that comes out, you find out that uh, Tommy just took credit for people's work that he hired through his Tallarico Studios company, yes. um, or just straight out like lied about shit or reused music. The point is this: more and more was coming out. It's like the owner of a restaurant taking credit for the chef's food. Yes. So this this uh, came to light uh, from SonicStadium.org. That's always my source for Sonic News, Ian. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sonic and Black Knight composers' contributions, questions, all three of Tommy Tallarico's songs put under the spotlight. So people looked into more of this stuff. More and more people are finding out um, that um, Tommy uh, lied, just lied, not even fabricated, just lied about a lot of his credits historically. Just lied. And a lot of people were silent about it, I guess, in the industry for years. A lot of people didn't want to uh, rock rock the boat. I think they uh, just felt like, you know, he was kind of fading away and mostly harmless, and it's like, whatever, we can... Yeah, but then he comes around and takes people's money and boasts about how he was a big industry icon, and he wasn't. Yep. That's the problem. Deciding you to get back to, into the scam game was you, his problem. You have to call out bad actors. You don't let them get bigger and bigger and get more power. Right. For everything, not just uh, composers that lying about their stuff. So the point is this. People are looking at or into this and discovering that there's a, a few songs that, you know, <laughs> he, he, didn't, he didn't really, you know, right. Didn't right. So um, roadmap. You though. know who also gave Tommy too much credit? Huh. H. Bomber Guy on his first video because uh, H. Bomber Guy didn't really investigate any of these music claims, really. He gets investigated what he worked on, but not did he actually work on the stuff he said he did? Uh, like like this specific stuff? Sure. So this is a mo- like uh, this is a gold mine for someone like H Bomber guy to look actually like delve into some of this stuff. Well, I mean, he said he was working on a follow-up. Well, there's been a lot of these. This is just I've seen now stuff with Tommy about this every like other month. People are like, hey, this is probably not something that, that Tommy did. Someone else might have done this. What's so fed up is he can totally get another two hour video out of it. It probably will be a two-hour video. And I will be there with, with bated breath. Can't wait. Uh, but another uh, – this, this is a banner day for Intellivision and Miko uh, fans. Uh, the engineer, uh, John Alvarado, with his mustache, um, he put out the Intellivision roadmap. Roadmap. Roads. So a roadmap usually on a product is like, okay, these are the steps and timelines of things happening. This is where we're going to go. It's a map to a, when you have a map, Ian, you have a starting point to a destination. That's what a roadmap is supposed to do for you. That's that's the whole point of a roadmap, right? Mm-hmm. So this is also posted on the Intellivision underscore Amico Reddit as well. That's right. The roadmap. Uh, we're going to go through the roadmap. And there's a little car on the top, which is cute. It shows us that's where we are in January. Uh, public announcement roadmap. Uh, May 2023, they had a business update. They had a Thanksgiving update. Well, I guess that was on the... Um, 
the Republic campaign uh, from good old Phil Adam, the, the current CEO. They had a holiday update, whatever. They announced the Amico Home Initiative last year, last May. We laughed at it. The Amico Home uh, app? The, the initiative, which includes the app. Uh, then they had the open beta, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Amazon App Store for tablets and Fire TV. Uh, that went live in December. We missed that, Newsy, and that's a banner day. They're estimating for February Android TV slash Google TV, and then April iOS support. Why is iOS support way after everything else? Apple historically is very, um, very particular when it comes to apps and how things are run. They are more. They want. They want things to be more closed so things can get can't get hacked, can't get misused. Versus Android, it's more. They want the things to be closed off. I also and, think. Well, okay, sorry. Keep going. And this app, uh, even even the controller app is buggy. Had debug shit in it still. Um, none of the, they can't have any user get into and f- up basically f- up anything. Like they are like. That's why historically you'll see iOS be harder to get on than Android. I'm not saying you can't. It's just they, there's more hoops to jump through. Right. So estimate April, I think, is I don't think they really have a, a true plan for when they'll be on iOS. They're just kicking the can down as far as they can. I do not picture Apple being cool with having like a second phone be connecting to your first phone for anything. Like I just don't see that being something they'd be cool with. Um, they did it with games in, on the iOS in the past. Okay, I just think like that they're going to be more careful with. I, that. I don't think that's going to be the huge issue. I think it's going to be the bugs. Anyways. The bugs and the fact that it's just it's just shit. It's okay. Um, so then the controller app, whatever uh, beta cares? iOS, uh, that's on iOS. Amazon App Store, Amico Home Games, <laughs> Astro Smash, and Missile Command were released in November of 2023. Shark Shark and Sideswipers. First look. Trademark. I, trademark. I just want to say, I, I don't trademark know. Trademark first look. And I'm sorry, I'm not crediting whoever it was, but someone contacted the Sideswipers guys okay. on the Amico board and asked about it. And they were like, yeah, that was a demo we had put together of what we could do. And he was like, that was under the assumption that, like, this was going to be worked out and turned into a Hot Wheels game. He's like, so we sold them the demo. Okay. They never got back to us. And he's like, they're selling. They're trying to, Sell without the us, they're trying to find a way to turn the demo we made them into something that resembles a game. So Froster Tommy Tallarico bought a demo of a game and said, well, we have Hot Wheels attached to this, basically, when it was a demo. And well, was, I think he told them that it was going to have Hot Wheels attached to it. They made the demo, sold it. But so the point is, it was yes. always a demo. It was always a demo. Yeah, it was never With a f- no intent at that point of it becoming anything that it has been worked on. Well, there probably was, but yes, he just like 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 the uh, games that were started at um uh the the Jesus Night Stalker and Cloudy Mountain. They that, basically that seems to be what he did. He bought demos. Or had the, demos made. He had demos made or bought demos. Or proof of concepts, yeah. And then never went anywhere with them because they didn't have the money. And now he's literally oh, trying they had, to turn they a had demo. The money. Well, they had the money. They, they just f***ing squandered it. Yeah. When you get $17 million, you can make some games. Yes. You can make a lot of games if with you, that amount of money. you don't buy yourself a f***ing office with a metal front. Yeah, yeah you can do sign. Or, or have ex- exorbitant uh, salaries. And, and yeah, have, you said extra offices you don't need. So like that, you can do a lot with 17 million. I could do a ton with 17 million. Anyways, uh, oh, okay. Uh, Dart Frenzy Side Swipers was updated. Uh, they're no, 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 estimating no. it'll be updated in we- late January, which is now. 
uh, cornhole but, is estimate February. Very the lead. AI cards, cards, which means you can play it against a computer. computer. Yep. Ooh. Whoa. That's uh, fancy. Rigid Force Redux is supposed to be March, and I do see that one coming out because the game's already done. The game's been out for several years. years. The same with Finnegan Fox is estimated for April. Um, that's yeah. So, so they're going to drip this shit out, and that's what it is mostly. No offense to the people working these games, because you can get these games on oh, so I don't many other platforms. These, I don't think these people are upset by the stuff we uh, say either, because like the Sideswipers guy, he was laughing. He's like, I can't believe they're trying to pass it off as a game. He's like, it's a demo. It's a te- it's a proof of concept. It's a f- proof of concept. Put it together in a week. Yeah, there's probably. It's just, yeah. you know, four cars going around uh, a track, and you can slow them down or speed them up to crash, I think. Yes, that's it. That's oh, it. Okay. There might be an item in there. Uh, Dart Frenzy is a little one I'm not familiar with. But you throw darts. Uh, that was talked about on the... Oh. I, so I check the Amico message board about once every two weeks to try oh, to catch check up. check in? Um, and Dart Frenzy was... I can't remember how Dart Frenzy got in, but that had been talked about in pr- prior months. That's just interesting because that one never was in, I think, any marketing materials right. before. They just found that and said, hey, give us the right So stuff. here's a great one. Amico uh, console and controller. Uh, October twenty second, uh, October twenty twenty two. Pilot units sent to external testers. Uh, those testers being uh, the the YouTube sycophants that are now just holding on to these units. What is the results of that? That by the way, the play testing. Well, I want to see the reports that well, they, they turned. In. Here's the funny thing. Uh, May of twenty twenty three. Pilot unit videos released. Videos and, released. Yes, and that's it. Uh, there's nothing else on the roadmap for it. Uh, nothing, nothing uh, else uh, since May 23rd, and absolutely nothing estimated um, for the rest of 2024. Okay. Which is all anyone who is really paying attention to this, no matter what they tell you, is what that's what they want to see. The people who are still hanging on are still hanging on to a console. And the only thing they want, he's not, uh, there's no there's, Okay, so there's no goal set. For the console. Controller, he has separate. I don't know why he put it twice. Because the uh, controller, there's the controller yeah. app, and then there's just the controller. They're planning on sell it, making... Oh, he God. says they're going to make and sell the controllers. I, I, we got there. Real quick. Real quick. So we know the console's never going to come out ever. I don't care if they sell 100,000 of these games individually, which they won't. There's never going to be a console. that mass no. produced. There won't be. Um, going back to the games. So, for example, Dart Frenzy was released in December, right? Mm-hmm. How many downloads do you think Dark Frenzy has in a month? Under 50. You're right, because it says 10 plus. Yeah, and so how that works, I was also reading on that, is 10 plus until it's 50, and then it's 50 plus, 100. and then it's 100 plus, and then I think it's like 500 plus, and a thousand. A thousand plus. So we'll just say 49, 49 people. We'll be generous. 49 people bought, bought Dart Frenzy, they made 10 bucks off of each. We'll say they made $500 putting Dart Frenzy on there. At most. Yep. Before taxes. That shows the interest. Also shows the lack of marketing. About I had no idea about Dart Frenzy being a game that was... Was there a video put out showing the gameplay? That's just bad. Yeah, it looks like I, a WiiWare game. I like a, um, so that's bad. Okay, go, now the controller. Uh, included with pilot units, working with Amico Home. and Okay, so included with pilot units in 22. They're estimating by February it'll be working with Amico Home Android. What's crazy is that why... So they're you, mean, de- you mean like privately, because it's not products, like the ones that right, are out there. Yeah, the, the ones wild, that are out there. The ones that are out there with YouTubers? Yes. We'll work with Amico Home. And then uh, Gold by Summer's manufacturing oh. and Gold by Christmas is is available to the public. No, 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 
No. How do they not see that this no. is the exact same playbook that's been being run every single time? They push it off to the end of the year so that it gives themselves six months of breathing room to f*** around, collect a check, and then they know. They um, know you're f***ing idiots, guys. They know you're f***ing dumb. That's why they keep taking your money. I, I can picture there being pre-orders for controllers that they'll take the money for. Mm-hmm. But I think people, I would hope, people that, that lost a $100 deposit would be wary about pre-ordering. These controllers are not going to be cheap. These are not twenty. No, they're going to be ninety to hundred dollars. These are not. I guarantee it. I'll say at least eighty. I'll be sure. generous. These are these are over-engineered controllers with parts that probably could be end of life. Remember, this was remember remember they they, they made this controller. They had controllers in two thousand and eighteen uh, and nineteen for sure. They had controllers of uh, functional like prototypes. Yeah, we're talking about six, seven, eight year old technology. So now you got to go back and find these parts that are eight, nine years old potentially again, and for this. Who knows if they still make the LED screens, for example? Maybe it's a different manufacturer. Now you have to then get these FCC tested. Remember, Tommy said, well, we don't have to get an FCC tested. Yeah, technically you don't. He try- thought he had a real fucking gotcha there. You can't yeah. sell it. So try selling them, Tommy. Like, that was my favorite. We can go to manufacturing. Yeah, you could. FCC. Yeah, you could. If you're a fucking idiot, yeah. you can. An absolute moron who wants to blow more you think money. You're not going to be able to sell them in Europe. Uh, I, I was told a story. Um, a story from uh, Ke- our captures told me a story about the um, remember the FPGA uh, the the Phoenix the the, the ColecoVision one yeah, we yeah. Really talked about mm-hmm. it um, they put that out they they didn't get FCC whatever the equivalent is for Europe sure um, they tried to ship it to someone in Germany didn't get it through customs they didn't see the, the stamp on it shipped it back oh wow to the US never got to the customer. Wow. You can't just sell electronics products without getting clearance on these things. Yeah. You'll get food overall on it. So the point is this. They got to pass FCC on this. They never passed it on the console. We know they tried to say that they didn't because no. the reports are public <laughs> on that. Yep. So No, they, they never did because they said they did. The reports and, are public. And then they said, well, we don't need it to go to manufacturing. And the costs... <laughs> To, uh, you, you assume the tooling is done for the controllers. You assume maybe uh, they have prototype ones, so not just three D printed. You assume if the tooling's not done, that's tens of thousands of dollars. No, I the feel tooling, like the, I'll, I'll uh, give them. I'll give, give them that the tooling is sure. probably done. But still, remember, manufacturing costs scale. The more you do, the cheaper it is for parts yes. and, and for labor and getting the, the line set and all that. The interest you would need. To make this viable, that maybe to keep it under a hundred dollars, you're going to need thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands. Like I don't even know. I'm not an expert. Ten thousand, twenty thousand. Like right. what makes this viable to make this to mark to make it to market? A lot. I'll just say that it's a lot. It's not a thousand. It's not two thousand. They'll never do it when it's that low. It won't be cost effective. So that's the other problem. Besides, they still have to show interest in. Because if every single person that bought an app, not even counting the people that overlap, if I bought four apps, if you if you take every app purchased from these games so far and, and say they're all individuals, that's not enough people to justify making the controllers. No. I it mean, is. literally, just it look isn't. at... You're not, I'll look up another one right now. And, and, and it's not... Uh, they're all, like, under... Shark Shark, Google Play Store. I'll look it up right now. I'll get um, an update. What was I going to say? Shit. Um... Oh yeah, all they have to do is look at the you know the numbers, and I mean they've got to realize that this isn't going to sell. You're not going to sell people on Amico Home with a controller. 
No. You're only going to sell those to like a percentage of the idiots who are already using it. It's not going to be something that gets... It's like the Atari thing, where Atari made more Pac-Man than there were systems. Yes. uh, Insult. This is not going to be only Pac-Man if it had been made well, would have been more likely to do that at that time than a f***ing controller is going to be like, oh, this controller is awesome. I got to buy the Miko yes. Home app to use it. I, real, I can't wait. Real quick before we shut down this this topic. Yes. Um, Shark Shark and Astro Smash are at 100 plus downloads. Okay, so under 500. Probably 150, 200. Sure. Which would be generous. And most of those people are probably the same. Per- you know, like They bought both. Sure. You know, and then Missile Command did even hit 150 plus. Wow, you have two games um, that you hit, and that, that I'm not sure that even includes because uh, let's see, Astro Smash. No, are those the packings, Shark Shark and Astro Smash. Yes. Um, uh, oh no, Shark Shark not Astro Smash. So Shark Shark should include could, could include some of the people that use the code and redeemed it. So the point is, this. don't forget, there's also the the Steam sales of Shark Shark. In, in total, I would say Shark Shark has sold, if we're generous, we'll say a thousand copies, which is also not. I mean, it hasn't, but. A thousand? Let's say it has. If you include the physical product, you mean? Let's just say it has. I'm not okay. saying it has, but let's just say it has. Even if it has sold a thousand, that would be the best-selling game, and that is not a sales number that anyone smart is going to look at and go, it's let's make a fucking physical controller for this. But again, that was, to me, that their only avenue was putting out... We're talking six years ago, before they ruined yes. and tarnished it. Put out a controller, do the Wii Play thing, where they package an extra controller yep. and games. You know, uh, put out a controller, give me 10 games, have a go. Try to sell it for $60 and see what happens. You still wouldn't have probably uh, had a viable market overall. Maybe you sell 3,000 of them, 2,000. Maybe you sell them in lieu of a console. You sell the controller, and it's easier to produce a controller. There's no ecosystem to worry about, really, with that. It's just a controller and 10 games. Here you go. Right. That's what we suggested. Besides being a publisher... You should, have, you should have listened to the patent and Ian plan uh, for that. Uh, last on the roadmap before we finish up here. Um, uh, the controller, working with home Android. Great. Miko home Android. Yeah, manufacturing the summer. The su- summer is four, uh, five months away, by the way, as of yesterday, I think. Yep. Uh, the Miko Indie Dev Program. Uh, closed beta is in February of what? I don't know. No, it's not. Uh, it's- any dev out there. Um, please do not enter this ecosystem. No it, it will not, it'll be time and, and money and effort for nothing. I do have to uh, speed this one up, but uh, Amico Indie Dev Program. Uh, one, I think this is just so he could put something on there because announced closed beta open with no other information does not give me any any faith in the uh, in, in them actually having thought about it or done anything. Also, no indie dev is going to develop for uh, sole uh, develop an exclusive for a platform no. that has these sales numbers. Well, no. This is literally all just bullshit like the bulliest bullshit that people are swallowing well, because they're dumb well all these games on the on the amico home only one is not exclusive and that's side swipers at this point you said dark frenzy probably came out dark somewhere. frenzy i believe came out uh yes yeah, shark shark did uh, now on steam and, and astro smash and missile command and um uh, cornhole maybe and richard force and finnegan fox we know have been on other platforms so uh, Fox and Force, whatever. My closing, uh, my closing notes here. Let me just do the Amico Club website. Uh, announced, launched, uh, Amico Discord access opened. Nothing on the roadmap uh, for the the future there. Um, how about a roadmap? Uh, roadmap for uh, getting people their money back on the pre-orders. Yeah, how about that. That'd be that nice should have been something that, that should have been, been a row. 
Um, <laughs> so we've got a lot of empties here. Even with this roadmap, they didn't even manage to put out a roadmap that looks good. There's a lot of empties. Uh, someone brought that up, I believe, in the Amico forum or Discord, and they were immediately like, John Alvarado was like, well, there can be things added. All future schedules are tentative and subject to change. Uh, Dude, it doesn't look good. Lastly, uh, the people who brought it up were like shamed into being negative. They were like, oh, this is negativity. We don't need this negativity. Uh, Phil Adam on December 23rd did uh, 22nd did an end of year update that talked about Dart Frenzy and launching on the Amazon store. (laughs) Um, Didn't talk about this roadmap at all. But uh, yeah, how about a roadmap to getting the investors some their money back that was taken from them? Like, because none of this shows any way of getting there. Holly and her dogs need to get some of their thousand uh, dollar back. Um, That's the face one. It's Holly and her cute poodles. So just a disaster. Yeah. So there it is. Roadmap. Ro- roadmap. Roadmap to 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 ass basically. Well, this has been fun. This has been fun. If you want to hear more from. Uh, Ian and Pat talk about Power World and talk about Christmas cookies. Go to patreon.com slash CU podcast for the exclusive uh, here as well. Remember that uh, certain N64 guidebook, you can pre order it at ultimatenintendo.com as well. Go get it pre ordered. Ian might pre order one at some point. He, he said, Pat, you know, you got to get a good, a good star rating to uh, Castlevania 64. I'll get it. I'm making shit up. All right. We'll see you later. Bye.